a lot of that, a lot of that abusive relationship and, and the things that he said and the way I ended up feeling about myself carried into the relationships that I had in my, in the majority of my twenties. Mm. So now the woman that I am now, I look back at me at like, you know, 19, 20 years old. And I, I wish I could go back and say, you can get out of this and you're going to be okay. Mm. And you're going to live a fulfilling life and, and this will not haunt you forever. Um, I don't know if that would have, how that would have changed my decision or the trajectory of my life. But I know that a lot of the decisions that I made at that time were based around the abuse in that relationship. Okay, so um, hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the One World Your Story podcast. This is Jamie, of course host and creator. And today I am joined by another one of my dear friends. Um, her name is Rachel Snyder. And if you tuned in last week, crazy enough, Chloe, Rachel, and I all went to boarding school together. And this is the first time in over 15 years, in about 15 years that we've all been together and reunited and they hadn't even talked or seen each other in like 15 years. So there's that. Um, so now we're here and it's crazy because, you know, anyway, before we get into all that, let me introduce Rachel a little bit. Rachel is, uh, a feminist, self-declared <laughs> feminist. We were talking about that today. Um, Rachel is a creative. She works in digital marketing um, and media for a CBD company mm -hmm. out here in Colorado and just moved to Colorado. Yeah. Um, Very recently, she rides motorcycles <laughs> and she loves plants, among many other things. Um, is there anything else that I have left out that you'd like to say to introduce yourself, Rachel. No, I mean, I think that was a great introduction. I should bring you around with me everywhere I go. <laughs> also about to be getting her master's degree. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, today, what, is, what happened today? The day in general? Just the big news today in the world. Well, not in the world, oh, but we'll say in, oh, for the United oh, States. Yeah, what happened today? Yeah, um, our my bias is showing, but our our truly wonderful government denied the, the our truly wonderful government. Please do not have to be sarcastic about okay. it. Anybody that has listened to me before okay. on this, this podcast knows my opinion. I voted for Biden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Likewise. And screw Trump. Yeah, we we've heard some very sad news today, which is that Amy, and I'm blanking on her last name. Amy Comey Barrett. Yeah, um, got sworn in today, correct? Yep. And um, eight what, days. What a eight yeah. days before the election. Yeah, I would be more replacing angry. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I would be more angry if I wasn't absolutely terrified of what can come from that. Honestly, rage, rage, and anger simultaneously um, for a multitude of reasons. But um, I would say the predominant feeling for me in hearing those news is just fear about what is going to happen in the future. Okay, sure. And by the way, there's like a, so many things to be fearful of right now. Mm -hmm. 
So let's get specific about it. Right. Um, and interesting that I'm talking to you a week after talking to Chloe and you hadn't seen each other in 15 years and we all went to high school together. And, you know, it's really wild because, uh, and I'll get back to the theory in just mm-hmm. a second, but I should have looked this up, what the statistics are about how many women, mm-hmm. one in blank women have had an abortion. Mm-hmm. One in blank women have been sexually assaulted or mm-hmm. abused. I wish I knew the stats, but it's small. It's like one in three, one in four. Like it's high, the percentage. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe it's even lower. And then it, it that statistic seems shocking to me because we don't talk about it enough. And right. then all of a sudden I start asking and I learn like, oh, like all these family members mm-hmm. have had them and these friends. And it's like, what? Like I've known you for that long. So found out that Chloe had an abortion and I had asked him like, wait, I remember you saying something. Did you have a miscarriage and abortion? You're like, no, I had an abortion. I'm like, oh, okay. And okay. So to go back to the fear and what happened today, I mean, the timing of having this conversation is quite wild. So what's the fear for you? The fear would be having that access taken away. Um, and as, as most of us know, right. If, if we overturn Roe v. Wade and restrict access for women, um, abortions will not stop happening. Legal abortions will stop happening. And, you know, wealthy women will always have access to safe reproductive care, whereas um, the rest of women will not. And it would be absolutely devastating for myself and for all, all women, you know, and... Yeah, it's just, it's scary and sad to think about. It is scary. You're bringing up an interesting point saying that, like, even if it becomes illegal, right, we reverse Roe v. Wade, for example, Mm -hmm. which I don't even want to say that out loud because I don't want to manifest anything like that. Um, If somehow, if you have enough money, you could still get access to it. If you paid someone enough, Mm -hmm. you can still get access to it because money buys anything at the end of the day. Exactly. Sadly, unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Like, isn't that weird? Like, it's never really going to go away. People are, it's like prohibition, right? So like, why even make the convoluting religion and law and Mm -hmm. politics? Okay, my God, there's so many directions we can go. So fear of not having access. So, okay, the cat's out of the bag, obviously. You mentioned you had an abortion. Let's get the scope of, like, who you are. And speaking of religion, like, what you grew up being taught. So how old are you today? I'm 32. 32. Okay, yeah, we're the same age. I knew that, (laughs) but I kind of wanted to let her say it. Just let that cat out of the bag, too. Um, Okay, so you're 32, um, and you you have a brother. I know this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. You have a brother. That's it. I know you don't have sisters, Mm -hmm. and you're really close with your mom. I am. I'm really close to most of my family on my mom's side as well. Yeah, Yeah. and you're pretty close with your dad, too, like relatively small. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you're older than your brother. I am, yeah, about okay. two and a half years. And your brother has a kid, by the way. He does. Interesting yeah. thing to know. I know. Um, he's 30 now. Yeah, he's 30. How old were you when you had the abortion? 20. 20? Mm-hmm. Okay. 12 years ago. That's so weird. I know. Gosh. Okay. I know. It is. It's crazy to think about. Okay, 12 years ago. That was soon after we stopped 
being mm-hmm. in each other's lives, obviously, because I was in Boston and you were, I think, in Austin at the time. I was, or still in Jersey. So I was actually in Philadelphia. You were in Philly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay, let's go back up before even 20. What were the conversations that you remember having growing up about, and you're Jewish. I'm mm-hmm. Jewish as well. Okay. So for me, to be honest, I don't know if this is the same for you. I don't know about anyone else listening, but like religion literally never played a part in my sex life, dating life, nothing. Correct. Same. Okay. But, but I think it's also important to note that though we are both Jewish, I believe, and well, I'll speak for myself, grew up in, you know, the tri-state area. I was in New Jersey and New York back and forth with family members. So, you know, by nature of, I think, geography, I grew up in a more open-minded, liberal, sex-positive, you know, place. So, you know, I didn't feel restricted in any way by any kind of religious upbringing that was occurring around me. Okay. Either way. Got it. Which is important to know. And it's interesting because I am always like, nature, nurture, which is Mm -hmm. it? I don't know. And sometimes it feels so strongly that like, no, you're born this way. Mm -hmm. Identify as queer, mm-hmm. born that way. Yeah. But I grew up in the tri-state area, and that had this influence on me. Of, well, of, excuse yeah. me. Of course, it did. Yeah. Had you grown up in Nashville, would you have the same mindset? Yeah. I don't know. Or Birmingham. Or Birmingham. Yeah. I don't. Know. Yeah. So which is it? So okay. So you grew up in this liberal way. What about your parents and this close relationship with your mom? What were they saying to you about sex and sexuality and protection? And what should you do? Were you even talking about it? No, I, we never talked about it. Um, we didn't not talk about it. You know what I mean? I don't think that anyone. <laughs> but you never had like the talk. I, I think that there was probably, well, I think it's, I think it's good to make a note that I was such a strange, awkward teenager always I was I've always been kind of funky and weird and had weird friends so I think you know I wasn't really interested in boys like really young it wasn't until I was like in my mid-teens um and by then I was in boarding school so you know I think that's also something to make note of like our our boarding boarding school which talk about sexual Mm -hmm. repression and all of that kind of stuff which if you want to get into that you can but Sorry, yeah. no, keep going. No, I mean, that's a whole nother spectrum that I feel like we could go down to, which I don't think is for this this time. But I mean, just to lay it out there, like I was 14 when I started getting sent away, you know, so like I wasn't sexually active yet. We hadn't had that conversation. And then unlike a lot of other, like, you know, our peers, I never had sex ed at Hyde, didn't never have sex ed. You know, we were taught very much to not have any kind of like intimate sexual romantic relationships with members of the opposite sex so it wasn't until I was like 18 that I really started to even approach having like actual this is action okay yeah I know this is about <laughs> you it's, it's crazy right and we're gonna talk about that but I've never thought about that yeah in that kind of context like and as I said to you, okay, so as we mentioned, Rachel and I went to boarding school together, known each other since we were 15, but haven't been in each other's lives really since we were what, 18, I don't know. And I never really dealt with what we went through right. at our boarding school. Yeah. She has in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. And so we're talking about it. And now it's like, whoa, like, 
as you're saying that, I'm thinking about asking you about it, and I think I should be asking myself. <laughs> okay, for another topic, mm-hmm. uh, another conversation. Yeah. Um, but anybody that is listening, you know, this is as much for everyone that's listening as these conversations are for us that are having it. So thanks yeah. for creating that space. Okay, so yeah, going back to what you were told about it mm-hmm. and what you felt. So you, it's so weird. So you're in this like freedom, like tri-state area and then 14, go to boarding school. No, like it is not only are you not really supposed to talk about it. It's literally just not allowed. You're literally called dirty, dirty. Mm-hmm. if you do do it. Yeah. Right. So let's think about that from 14 to 18 years old. And then two years later, somehow, bam, there you are. Yeah. So what were your personal feelings about it all? And what experiences did you have? Oh, I, I grew up in a very liberal household. So even the things that we didn't necessarily talk to each other about, I had a very, like, I was very aware of where my parents stood. I would say my dad is less involved in like politics and like that conversation. But my, on my mom's side, we are just dominated by loud Jewish, Italian, Brooklyn, New York women. So like opinions were always out there. So even if I wasn't directly a part of them or being educated, I always believed in a woman's right to choose. I always believed in reproductive rights. Um, And then also because I didn't grow up with like a very distinct set of religious beliefs surrounding life, Mm. Uh, and when life begins and and all of that um like abortions were a very neutral topic I would say for me like I didn't you know until I had one which we'll get into I didn't really think of it in any way other than this is a medical procedure that women should be able to have so you were always just pro-choice it was never even a question definitely yeah me too and I don't Mm. know how it was just like a, a duh yeah kind of thing yeah. for me and well, I think for yeah. my mom too like just was kind of obvious why yeah. wouldn't it be that way yeah I think the framework of my beliefs as a human being were shaped and also not shaped by not growing up I let me let me say we are Jewish by blood and there are family members in my family that are Jewish and I grew up with Jewish practices um but my nuclear family was never religious like my mom I believe is spiritual my dad is spiritual but I personally did not grow up with like a deeply ingrained we're one of the only ethno religions one of two which basically which literally means it's ethnicity Mm -hmm. and religion right and so for me the religion part of it doesn't really apply right but there is this ethnicity, this cultural aspect of it that I can't deny and I love. And yeah. I, oh, absolutely. I don't ever want to deny. Yeah, actually. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the religious part of it is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a good... yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so the absence of that led me to be, even as a young adult, very like science-based and neutral when it totally. came to things like this. Yeah, I can't really understand anything else. And I consider myself a very understanding person. I just can't grasp Mm -hmm. when religion plays a role really on anything, not just this whole abortion thing. So, yeah, let's... How old were you when you lost your virginity? 
uh, like 17 and a half to Alex Springer. <laughs> Do you, I don't know if you remember him, but he was like, <laughs> hopefully you never listen. Well, maybe you will listen to this. Who cares? 17 and a half. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was, it was, was that at, was that at, it was like school? during one of our breaks, like spring or summer break. I took a senior. Yeah. Yeah. Senior year. yeah. Uh, it was, no, it was the, I think it was maybe the summer between junior and senior year. Okay. Yeah. Not at school. Not at school. No. Okay. And, um, yeah, I'm curious to know, like, since we're talking about, like, abortion and all Mm -hmm. this, being a woman and being a feminist, like, what was that experience like? Uh, You know, it's such an interesting time to have this conversation because I... You know, I'm I'm very proactive about therapy and I've just had a therapy session recently about my my sexual history, just like in the context of being a woman and like the deeply ingrained behaviors that I have as a woman in society when it comes to men and sex. And I would say absolutely my first sexual experience and many after that unintentionally in my mind were just never about me you know what I mean it was never about my experience um it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I really like pursued my own pleasure in a sexual experience so I would say my memories of the first time I had sex oh my god you're saying so many things (laughs) I'm like it's so simple yeah so yeah yeah. And I think as women, we don't even, we don't know that we're putting ourselves not just second, but like not even on the table, really. We don't even consider ourselves. Um, and like, again, this is a, it's probably another conversation for another time, but just like we were talking about in the car today, like sexuality in general and, and our experience with sex is so shaped by cultural beliefs and isn't that wild to think about right yeah that we're talking about abortion which this is the end game Mm -hmm. of the sexual experience maybe you get pregnant maybe you don't right and maybe it terminates in an abortion maybe you continue it but where does it even begin Mm -hmm. and and by the way what we're talking about is is it your choice or not to decide whether or not but that's you, your body, your life, your experience, all of it. And now here we are talking about the beginning, that very first seed <laughs> that gets planted. Sorry. <laughs> I had to do it. But that very first moment, is it fully your choice? Is it about you? Do you have a say in it? Or is it completely what society is saying? Yeah. It's the same shit at the very beginning, at the very end. I know. And it's a, I, we don't even realize it. No, it's very oppressive. Someone told me once, and this will forever stick with me, forever and ever and ever, that the true definition of oppression is when you oppress a people so much that they begin to oppress themselves. And I think about that all oh the time. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. As women, holy mm-hmm. me, talk I, about what happened this weekend and mm-hmm. that experience you were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. So go back there, by the way. Yeah. We're going to. I mean, I wasn't, but I, I can. I mean, I just. You don't have to get specific, mm-hmm. but. You were relating the first time yeah, that yeah. you did it to, to now. Yeah, like, so that conversation with my therapist, it came from um, a an experience that I had on Friday with a man that I met on Hinge where I went to his house um, and there had been some previous like conversations about having sex or kind of some 
dating, all sorts of things, but there, it was not really on the table. It doesn't even matter if it was on the table. All I know is I went there and it was a very, if any women are listening, you can relate, I'm sure, um, a situation where he was very aggressive and handsy and manipulative and not kind. And it just turned into this situation where in my mind, you know, my therapist was talking about like, uh, fight, flight, freeze, submit. Um, you know, I felt very uncomfortable, not safe and chose submit as an action and decided in my mind, like, I might as well just get this over with so I can leave kind of mentality. Um, and obviously very disappointed and angry and a mix of feelings the next day. Also feeling like, wow, I can't believe I'm in my thirties dealing with this when I know that I've dealt with this in my late teens and early twenties. Like I thought I could have learned better by now. And one of the conversations that we, she and I had was, you know, as women, we are taught to submit, you know, we have this kind of shared collective trauma when it comes to these events, it's hard to ever meet a, a, a woman who has not experienced something like this. And, and this is apparent when we talk to your neighbor, when we talk to our friends, like as soon as you start bringing up a situation like this, everyone has the same story. It's wild. It's wild because it is kind of shameful. Like you're yeah. talking, oh my God, I'm in my thirties. Like, how is this still happening? And it's, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And then you talk about it and you're like, oh, I've had that happen. Or yeah. I had this, oh, wait till you hear this. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's happening all the time. And I do think that I'm not ever the kind of person to say, generalize a group of people and or put my actions and the responsibility on something else. However, like, there's something to be said for all of that collective experience, right. you know? So, okay. Fast forward then. I mean, there's so few layers we can get I know. Into. I think that the biggest layer, right? The biggest layer is in, in that situation, in abortion, in birth control, the whole gambit is a blaring lack of control over our own lives but do we ever have control over our own lives really like and I mean, we're eight days away from an election yeah. and we live yeah. in the most supposed democratic free country it's a bunch of bullshit yeah here i am telling you not to swear I'm not <laughs> started it's a fiery topic had a, yeah had a hard time with yeah. it but that's a bunch of bs it's mm -hmm. this illusion of choice right Right. And right. Talk about yeah. It's perfect example is the illusion of choice. I love how you just put that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get to decide whether or not I'm having sex with you. Kind of mm -hmm. not when you insist that you love me and mm -hmm. all of this stuff and mm -hmm. tell me it's going to be okay yeah. twenty times until I finally cave and say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that really my choice? Yeah. Is that really me consent? I don't know. Yeah. Um. When I have media in my face all the time and the president, mm -hmm. is that really our choice? Another way to choice? I don't yeah, know. There's so, not a lot of choice. Okay. Going back to you and your experience. Okay. So something happened with that guy, 17 and a half. Clearly there was mm -hmm. some sort of pressure there. Boom. That's it. Okay. 
experiences continue then right until you're 20 what happens when you're 20 who how did this yeah. all happen so i mean there is a lot that happened between then and 20 that got me to that point um feel free to get into it any of it if you'd like or none of it i think that it can, i think you can go down that. a really long path so what i will say for context is that because i had because of our experience at hyde i had no real education on sexual health. I did not have the best role models growing up. My parents are amazing on their own, but they were divorced. They're both remarried. I didn't have great role models as far as relationships were concerned. I was leaving a an adolescence where I felt I didn't have a lot of worth. I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel trusted. You know, it was very chaotic, very traumatic. So naturally, as I go out into the world and I start making these connections, not just with with men, but with friends, not really knowing how I, I didn't have a good internal compass into the right kinds of people. And I, mm. I very quickly found the wrong kinds of people mm. and dated a handful of, of men that were very, very not good people. Um, but between Alex and my ex Tyler, who I ultimately got pregnant with, I think I slept with two other people. Okay. So I had not, I, I was not promiscuous, not like that, that matters, right. but as a, as me, um, that happened later in life, but I was just very, I was so uncomfortable. Just myself. to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. It happened. <laughs> But it hadn't happened yet. Um, I was so insecure and uncomfortable with myself in all aspects. I had no real upbringing, no real role models. So every every sexual encounter I had, every relationship I had was just a complete shit show or disaster. Um, and and when I met Tyler, who I was who I got pregnant with, ultimately, um, it was at the tail end of a really really horrible relationship with some guy in New Jersey. I won't even get into it. It was just an awful relationship. Um, and I don't know, should I just like get into to what happened? Go for it. Yeah. So Tyler, I met Tyler at the tail end of this like crappy relationship. And I just remember we, I was at a party and I was at one of the lowest points of my life. Like, I don't think ever in my entire life have I wanted to die ever luckily. But I remember in this moment, I was just so lost mm. and so unhappy and hurt and we connected and he lived in out in Philadelphia I ended up moving out to Philadelphia and it it you know kicked off a two-year relationship that I had with him um he was very unhealthy I was very unhealthy um I don't hate him for this because I know how sick he was but it was a very abusive relationship it started mm. out like very controlling and then turned into emotional and mental abuse and then ultimately into physical abuse. So by the end of the relationship, it was just incredibly toxic and abusive. I had not had contact with most of my friends, even though I'm really close to my family. I was out in Philadelphia. I wasn't, didn't have that connection at the time, the way I have always had and the way I do now. Um, as these things go, right? As as abusive relationships go over time, very disconnected from my support system. 
Um, I, I remember trying to leave many, many times and it, it just, he would follow me back wherever I went. And, mm. and I also wasn't able to let go. Like we, it was very toxic for both of us. Um, he just happened to be the abuser, but you know, it was, we were both sick. We found each other because we were both sick, but you know, ironically, I was on birth control. We used condoms and we very rarely were intimate because the relationship was so toxic. So the fact that I got pregnant was like completely insane. Fertile Myrtle. I, apparently. You and Chloe. I, it was insane. Yeah. It, I just remember she got pregnant from pre-cum she was telling me. <laughs> and I mean, here you are. And I'm sitting here like, oh my yeah. God. Like, I know. <laughs> to be extra, extra care. I mean, I, know. I have friends that try for years to have sex and then, and like, or to have a child doing like all crazy things. Well, that was just, something yeah. that she mentioned is that almost added to like her guilt or feeling mm-hmm. when she did have the abortion because she yeah. felt so lucky that she was able to get pregnant. So many women try and that was a conflict. And I was like, God, yeah. I don't know if that resonates with your experience, but anyway, you can continue. Yeah. With the story. Yeah. So I, I, I just remember feeling like my body felt different. And so you just knew. I just, I just, it was so weird because at the time I was so disconnected from myself and I was, we were living in this weird apartment and had a roommate in the time. And I just remember standing in the bathroom, looking at myself in the mirror and just getting this gut feeling like, like while you were on birth, like while I was on birth control, I was taking ortho low. We, yeah. And we use condoms. And again, we like very rarely even had sex. So it was just like, it was a great, I went and took a test and I was pregnant and it was just crazy. Wow. But, but in the moment, I, as a child growing up, like if you ever asked me as a little kid, Rachel, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say, I want to be a mom. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because you know that I, how I feel now. Yeah. Yeah. But ev- forever, I wanted to. Which, for context, the people that are listening is like, I don't want into kids. it. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I, all I ever wanted was to have a family, have kids. So I, I get pregnant and even though I know it's not healthy and I know it's not good, I love this person, his family. I was really close with his family. My family I knew would, would have, you know, taken care of me in that situation. Um, I, in the beginning, my plan was to, to keep the baby. Um, I had a really crazy experience when I went to my first, I I should back up. What I should say is that from the second that I told Tyler that I was pregnant, he was peak abuse. He was like, you're a drug addict piece of shit. And I apologize for the person who goes with what he would say, you know, and I wasn't to be clear. Um, but, but he always had things that he would say, like, you know, you, you're just going to be like a whore mother, whatever he would say, you know, just really awful things. Um, yeah I'm so sorry thank you yeah it's it's been a long time now so I don't feel like I was emotionally connected to it but I remember it being just a really tough especially because by that time I was so disconnected from any kind of like community you know what I mean um but I remember I drove myself to a clinic and because I didn't know better I drove myself to a clinic that ended up being like a very religious clinic um and I went 
to get information on my options. And the woman was like very forceful about like keeping the baby and like had me listen to the heartbeat and gave me like sonogram pictures and everything. Oh, I have full body chills. Yeah. So interestingly enough that we're even having this conversation, I kept those pictures with me forever up until three weeks ago when I moved out here. Like almost like 12 and a half years. It's crazy, right? Oh, wow. I know. I know. At what stage? Where were you in the pregnancy? I'm not far. I think I was like six weeks, maybe? Like six or seven weeks. Six weeks. Six, six, six and weeks. you heard the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 I know, really crazy. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, you just said so many things. Yeah. Okay, it was a really intense situation. <laughs> okay, so you're in this on and off again abusive relationship mm-hmm. on all different levels. Yeah. You are barely having sex. You were on birth control. You're using condoms and somehow you get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> you never say. Aha, fuck you, Rachel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Then you get pregnant and you're wanting to keep the baby mm-hmm. in a really unbelievable privileged situation where you know mm-hmm. the families would help you. I yeah. mean, not everyone has that. Yeah. On the flip side, your partner is more abusive than ever. Right. Right. And then you go to a clinic because, by the way, unless you're in a place where you know that there's a Planned Parenthood for sure, like, who the heck knows where to go? Right. Like, who to ask? And right. it's so uncomfortable. And you're already saying you're removed from mm-hmm. community. Who would you ask? Like, so uncomfortable. And then you end up at a place where it's super religious and you have to listen to this heartbeat and you have an ultrasound and you're calling it a baby. At- yeah. Do you remember how it felt in that moment being at that place? In that moment, I, I mean, away. I know that I cried. I mean, in that moment, I know that I cried. And it was... I think I it, I think if I can remember correctly at that time I was already considering abortion because it had been so volatile mm. and there was some sort of like self preservation. So you went from keeping, keeping the baby to abortion probably pretty quick. I I would say I went from keeping it to maybe keeping it maybe abortion very quick. Like it, okay, it, okay. it wasn't a done deal for me for sure. Um, but I I I would say the the predominant feeling I had started to have was self-preservation for sure in that in that moment and and thinking to myself um I also think like the fear of even if I left and I kept this child I would be stuck with this man for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and like the, the the consequences and terror around that um and it, weirdly enough, he and I have actually, a couple of years ago, reconnected in his sober journey and he made amends and that in and of itself was like a really, really healing experience for me. But in that, in that time, it was very volatile. I mean, yeah. it was just a really, wow. you know, I know that there, there is a, a very broad range of abuse, but I think for myself as a 20 year old, you know, isolated in the situation um and what I was going through I just knew a I I if I stayed in that relationship I would probably die 
And I also knew that if I had a, a, mm. had this kid, that that would remain a possibility. And also just like the fate of a child's life in that type of scenario. So. Oh man. Yeah. It was tough. Um, Almost. I'm like, can I say this? Sorry if I'm, if this steps on any lines, but. I feel like it's almost as if you're like being a mom mm-hmm. it, in a way. Yeah. Choosing what you think is going to be best. Right. Which is to not put somebody in that situation. But I feel like, oh my God, anybody that I'm like, oh my God, what can of worms that I open by saying that just now. But that, I think for every situation that we're in, there are multiple different perspectives to look at it from. Right. And it doesn't mean that any of them is more right or wrong than the other. And that is certainly one of them. So, all right, you go to this clinic. It's super intense. You're in this volatile thing. Then what? So that same day, I I get these pictures um, and I go, we had 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 an apartment together. And when I got pregnant and he was just being a crazy person, he was staying at his mom's. Um, and I remember I drove, I had a little scion, I drove my scion over to his mom's house. And I remember he would, he locked me out. He was like up in his bedroom, looking down at me from his window, texting me, wouldn't let me in. It was just being horrible. I don't even know what he was saying, but same, same kind of narrative. Like you're like, how are you ever going to be a mother? Like you're blah, 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 blah. You know? And I think in that moment I was like, I need to have an, like, I'm not, I can't keep this kid. I can't do this with this person. Um, and I called my mom, uh, mostly I called her because I couldn't afford it on my own. And he was definitely not going to remember how much it was. So this is where it gets interesting. I was living in Philadelphia and I don't know if it's the same now. And it's been so long, but at the time in Pennsylvania, you couldn't just go get an abortion. You had to do like a two day class or something. Yeah, it was insane. You you couldn't just go, even in Planned Parenthood, like state rule, you had to go and do some sort of like class where you get, I, I God only knows what you talk about and what they teach you or whatever. But I was like, I absolutely am not going to do that. <laughs> like, no way. So I, I called my mom, A, because I needed the money. I think it was probably like five or $600 maybe. Honestly, it was not cheap. It was not cheap. I mean, I didn't, as a 20 year old, I definitely didn't have it. I was teaching preschool and going to school full time. I did not have that money. And I also, I talk about the systems of oppression that keep this shit going around again. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. So, so she's immediately, I think, I mean, she knew how bad he was because I had called her a couple times leading up like that. The last probably six months have been really bad. Um, and I had called her a number of times wanting to get out of the relationship, but as these things go, you can't get somebody out until they're, they're ready to get out, you know? Um, but I called her and we made an appointment at Planned Parenthood in Jersey and it was the most stereotypical out of a movie abortion experience ever. I mean, like, I think we went on a Tuesday to some absolute nowhere Planned Parenthood. And there were like 25 protesters with those crazy signs with like the fake dead babies on it, screaming. I mean, it was like, I couldn't believe it. I think even in that moment, being me, I was like, is this for real? <laughs> like I, I, had a, I knew it wasn't gonna be a great experience, but I didn't, I don't think I 
prepared myself for the reality of what it's like to be an abortion clinic in America. I mean, I've been to a Planned Parenthood before. Never had that experience. Not all Planned Parenthoods perform abortions. Oh, mm-hmm. I did not go for an abortion. Right. Wow. Yeah. Were they there on their way in and out? Yep. Did you feel in. differently one going in or out? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I think I, as, based in a history of trauma in my upbringing and the experience going on, I, my recollection, my memory of it was I was in full on preservation mode. Like, I don't think I cried. I, I think I was very much like, this is what needs to happen now. This is what needs to happen next. This, 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 and this. Um, all the way up until I would say immediately after the abortion. So when you go in, you have options. It's not all just one thing. So you can get, um, Oh yeah. So you can get these pills that are suppositories that, that create, I, I don't know the medical terms, but they cause you to have, uh, basically a miscarriage. Um, and that is one option, um, that's less invasive, but it is, from what I had been told, like really painful and basically having a miscarriage. So, uh, you can do that. You also can get, um, the procedure. I can't remember what it's called, but they basically, uh, and it's different every, I think different States do it differently, but I know that I chose that option. I went back into a room, laid back in a chair. I, and I feel like they not, they put me out for it. Um, or maybe I just blocked it out. I, I couldn't tell you but I know that it was over so fast. I mean, it was like the procedure itself was so fast. And then I went back to my mom's house and was in so much pain. And I think that was the first time I started to really feel anything about it. Like I think maybe the onset of actual physical pain. Also, this is gonna piss you off, but I kind of texted, Tyler at the time I said hey like I did I did it or whatever however I phrased it and his response was I can't believe you killed our child I think in that moment I was just like dang yeah okay really rough oh okay I want to acknowledge your mom and the support that you had. And yeah, yeah. Like, that is amazing that you were able to have that. Oh, and, yeah. And that, that she showed up for you. And we can talk about that a little bit. Um, the protesters, that is, that does feel like straight out of like mm-hmm. the 80s or 90s. But even as I'm saying that out loud, sitting here tonight on October 27th, 2020, knowing what happened today and that we could be reversing Roe v. It's like, well, mm-hmm. actually, I guess that does make a lot of sense that oh, they yeah. are there. Um, and anti-abortion protesters today are far more aggressive worse. than they were even 10 years yeah, ago. It's nuts. Mm-hmm. And then, so your partner at the time texts you mm-hmm. afterwards, mm-hmm. I can't believe you killed our baby. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Did yeah. he know that you were going to go in to get the Oh, yeah. Okay. Because that was something that I asked Chloe about. Like, did he have a say? Your partner, mm-hmm. did you talk to him about it? Did your partner have a say? Yes. I mean, he, from, like I said, from the get-go, I wanted to keep it. 
you know, and from the get-go, he said, and from the get-go, he was absolutely 110% completely, not only uninterested in having a kid, but angry that I even considered keeping it. And that he texts you that. Yeah. It's just this cycle of abuse, like using anything, using anything. Did it make you feel any type of way? Or did you know that it was just like, did you feel that way? I, Do you feel that way today? That I killed my child? Or a child, I don't know. You know, this is, it's hard to ask such a blunt question. No, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, I've thought about it over the years, um, especially around like January time, December, January, because that was kind of when it happened. Um, or not, I would say November, probably around November. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, it was around November, which is one of the reasons why, regardless, I have never regretted it. I have throughout the last 12 years had moments where I've thought about it and had sadness about, you know, knowing that I could have been a really good mother, knowing. I love that you know that regardless of whatever the hell he said. Oh yeah. I know that too. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, feeling sadness for my younger self Mm. because I think in that moment I felt so trapped by the relationship, Mm. um, and, and feeling so defeated by that relationship Mm. and so broken down by him. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that abusive relationship and, and the things that he said and the way I ended up feeling about myself carried into the relationships that I have in my, in the majority of my twenties. Mm. So now the woman that I am now, I look back at me at like, you know, 19, 20 years old. And I, I wish I could go back and say, you can get out of this and you're going to be okay. Mm. And you're going to live a fulfilling life and, and this will not haunt me forever. Um, I don't know if that would have, how that would have changed my decision or the trajectory of my life but I know that a lot of the decisions that I made at that time were based around the abuse in that relationship. Yeah. It's, uh, first of all, amen. And I'm so happy for you that you have the like freedom to not hold on to the regret because that would be not saying that you should have any, that's not what I meant, but I'm glad that it's not there. Lots of therapy. Yeah. Um, and why regret anything? It really does happen as it's supposed to, even though, Sometimes mm-hmm. it really doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Um, uh, oh my God. I just completely lost my train of thought. And I had something that I really wanted to, what were you telling? Oh. I'm not sure, but something that you said, and you can think about it while I say this. Okay, so something that you said made me think abortion, right. In general is a, is a medical procedure, cut and dry. It's a medical procedure, cut and dry. The experience of abortion is unique to every individual and the reasons why we have them are unique to individual. Of course there are shared reasons, but our individual experiences are all different. You know what I mean? So when it comes to things like regret, I don't see regret as a bad thing. I am grateful that I don't have regrets for the multitude of reasons that I don't, but I also honor and respect the fact that some people do have respect regrets and like, that's okay. 
for them to feel that way. And it might not be rooted in shame. It might be rooted in feeling pressured and not feeling like they could, they could make that choice for themselves. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that some people regret not having an abortion. I mean, it yeah, can go absolutely. in a thousand directions. Mm-hmm. Regret can apply to everything. I don't think it's a bad thing. And, and I do think that it's disempowering. Yeah, absolutely. To that. live in that is not, mm-hmm. there's no power in that. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Um, that's why I say good for you. Mm-hmm. And I still don't remember what the heck I was going <laughs> to say. So it is what it is. Um, it'll come to you. Yeah, sure. Or it <laughs> won't. And now, okay. I'm just so curious. Cause you're like, Oh, growing up, I always wanted to be a mom. You don't want to be a mom now. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about, like, are you certain 100% you don't want to have kids? I am, I would say 98% sure. My, right. my, the contingency there. And this is something that I talk about uh, because I'm now single and I am interacting with other 30 something year olds. I would be fine dating someone with kids. I love children. I've spent many years teaching kids. Um, I have a nephew who I adore. I have nothing against kids at all. Um, I would have no issues dating someone with kids, whether they were younger or, or older. Um, my reasons for not wanting children are, are these one. I have a lot of mental illness in my family and I've struggled with mental illness in my life. I feel very unbelievably blessed, grateful, whatever, to have had the resources that I've had in my life to be in my 30s now and be incredibly healthy and stable and not have the negative effects of that. But like as a teenager, I've really suffered and I've been around a lot of suffering. And so there are some like fears there with genetics and not wanting to pass that on, um, which is just a personal feeling that I have. Um, and then there's also a very selfish feeling that has happened. It's kind of blossomed in my thirties where I feel very selfish with my body and my time and my relationships with my romantic relationships and not, not feeling like I'm willing to sacrifice any of those things. Not that that has to be the case, right? I want to be very clear that like I am speaking for for myself and I, the way I feel for me is not at all indicative of how I feel about other parents. Oh, it's, you know? cl- it's clear. I think it's interesting that you feel like you're going to have to say that. Like, yeah. Well, people think when just, you, people have this, this mentality where if you say, I don't want kids, they're like, oh, you're a, you're a child hater. Like they don't understand why you wouldn't no, want yeah, them. It's your own personal yeah. thing. I love kids. Yeah. I felt the same way my whole life. And I'm like, uh, I don't think I do. Like yeah. I'm back and. 98% sure I don't. Mm-hmm. The whole reason I asked the question is not about why you do or don't. It's more about like, well, if maybe you might maybe want to maybe one day in the future, like mm-hmm. knowing that there's a timeline on our bodies. Oh, as yeah. women. Like, would you ever think about freezing eggs or I don't know if like having an abortion has an effect on fertility rates and but I think it does. Like I have no idea, but I have not gotten pregnant since, which is a, I don't know. I don't take birth control because it's, I can't medically. It makes no sense. And I've talked to doctors before and they're like, if you've gotten pregnant once, your chances of being able to get pregnant again are like very, very high. 
So I really don't know. I, it's like crazy that I, yeah, it's crazy that I got pregnant in the first place and equally crazy that I haven't gotten pregnant since, especially because I was married in a relationship where we did want kids. Yeah. Which is a whole other conversation. Yeah, it is a whole other You're not married now. I'm not. You don't have kids. I do not. Um, man, okay, I just looked at my watch um, because I know myself and I can keep talking for a long time and we do have to start wrapping it up here. Yeah. Um, and just to be clear and on the record, where do you stand? I mean, I think we already know this. It's obvious, mm-hmm. but I said we have this fear. Right. Right. So what happens with everything you could hear? Where do you stand on abortion? What do you want to happen? And as somebody who's had it speaking from experience, like what message do you want to share about that? Yeah, I would say I don't think I could stress it enough how vital the right to abortion is for all, not just women, but but everybody, um, yeah. Just remember what I was going to ask you before you went. Oh, I knew you would. I told you you would. <laughs> um, but, so you were saying it's vital, how important, yeah, vital the right yeah, to abortion. Yeah, I I won't get into the politics of it because I think that there's like a personal aspect. But you know, to, just to touch on the politics of it, like there's so much. I won't get into it. <laughs> but but I'll touch, touch on it, but just just a touch, like. <laughs> just, um, as as not just a, just as a, a feminist, you know, I think that we are still actively in the fight for true equality as women. We are already so far behind. We are still so far away that to overturn something like Roe v. Wade is not just a threat to our physical bodies, but to our equal rights here in America, in the global landscape. It's, it's beyond just this one particular law, right? It, it, it plays a larger, it plays a larger role in what it means to be a woman in America. I think it plays a role Fortunately and unfortunately, right, depending on what happens in the way that women are looked at globally. Absolutely. And that's because the globe is looking at America. Absolutely. Will they continue to look yeah. at us in a couple of years? Yeah. I don't know if things are shifting, but right now, eyes on our are on us. And in so many ways, we're the advanced country for how women are treated and the rights that we get. Right? Like, there's so many places where this would never even be able to be a conversation. Yeah. And so for it to be, rever- I mean, it's scary. It is scary. It's really scary to think about. Um, I, I want to make a note because I do think this is very important that abortion and the right to have one and the people that are actively fighting to take that right away, they are taking that right away deeply, deeply rooted in religion, which has no place in politics. And that is another area that really scares me as a woman, as a woman that has had an abortion, as an American, I think it is very scary. Well, that's a whole other conversation and there's so much hypocrisy mm-hmm. with our constitution and mm-hmm. 
you know, we talk about the separation of church and state, but, but yeah. it's it's not. Yeah. But also it's I was so very lucky to have, you mentioned it, but I was very lucky to have the resources to have family that supported me, financial ability to have an abortion. I was able to go to a, a safe place that performed safe medical abortions, you know, and that I had a place to go afterwards and, and I had medicine to take when I was in pain. And there are a lot of women who without something like Planned Parenthood don't have any resources at all. And without those resources would be forced to either carry full term and there are negative consequences to that or seek out incredibly unsafe non-medical abortions that can potentially kill them. Yeah, um, I thank you for acknowledging that your access and the resources privilege, we'll call mm -hmm. it, for anybody who's not watching this and just listening, which is the majority of our listeners on this podcast. Mm -hmm. For context, Rachel is white, mm -hmm. um, middle, mm -hmm. grew up upper middle class, yep. white, Jewish America. Um, so privilege and oppression and all mm -hmm. of that, right? Um, and that's a huge part of it. it you, that privilege, by the way, and even us going to boarding school, we did not get sex education. Mm -hmm. In fact, the whole education piece of it is a weird conversation, especially considering money and privilege at boarding school, mm -hmm. what education is important. But privilege is directly correlated to Absolutely. access to education mm -hmm. a lot of the time mm -hmm. and access to medicine and healthcare and all of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, one of the, in all of the things that you were talking about, right? Like where you were able to go to a clinic that was able to perform safe and healthy procedure. You knew you could talk to your mom mm -hmm. about it. And you grew up in the tri-state area where like it was sexually free, da 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 da, mm -hmm. like all this stuff. And then we the conversation right now is strictly about abortion. Mm -hmm. Going back to what we we're talking about in the beginning, where it's like, well, to be oppressed, like you have to really be blind to it to really be oppressed. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we, how are we, how do we even have the right or privilege to have the conversation about abortion when we don't even really know like how it all begins and what do mm -hmm. we really have to talk about and all right. of that kind of stuff? I mean, it's kind of convoluted and it actually doesn't make sense to only be having that conversation right there's so much more to it there's Absolutely. so much more to it Absolutely. And the, the thing that i remembered before was you know and to switch gears and you can go right back to this is when you were talking about the decision as to why you had the abortion your decision it sounds more like wasn't because you didn't want to have a kid it sounds like you actually would have had a kid mm -hmm. it was strictly about your partner mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas Chloe, it was literally about like, no, I'm not in any kind of place in my life where I can have a kid, period, yeah. subject. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting to think about because in my head, my decision has always been about, can I have a kid? Can I actually raise this? Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. Never about the partner because I have divorced parents. You have divorced yeah. parents. For me, it's the partners, whatever, like yeah. whether or not we're together. Yeah. Granted. In my, if I had my druthers, like I would, of course, like stay married and we would have yeah, to get together. Yeah. But that was, that would never be my reason to have or not have or to have an abort. But, yeah. but as you mentioned a couple of times, this is about you and your experience. Yeah. Your I just think it's interesting to think about. Yeah. And I think, I think that right, there's a million layers to everything. Oh, and yeah. every moment of my life that led up to that, that experience brought me to be able to have, make that that decision and not 
feel deep regret about it. Yeah. You know, I feel lucky that my life experience up to that point was such that I was able to view abortion as, you know, I don't, I don't want to make myself sound unemotional because it was an emotional experience for me. And obviously there's all these other dynamics and factors playing into it. That being said, like the guilt of having an abortion, it was not present for me. Um, and I feel very grateful that I was brought up in such a way where I, there wasn't shame around that. Well, why does there have to be? I mean, it be. literally goes right back to what yeah. you were just saying. You mm-hmm. said a couple times, it's like, live your life how you, it works right. for you, yeah. right? It's funny that you said that, that that even should be there. You feel weird that it was. I mean, mm-hmm. no. And yeah. by the way, you don't sound emotionless sitting here talking about it today. It sounds like you've worked through all of that, oh, yeah. which I think is unbelievably healthy. Imagine if we all did that with all of the stuff yeah. that happens in our life. Things might look a little bit differently. I don't know. Okay, I want to switch gears really quickly before we wrap it up because I think that this is, especially as women having conversations about reproductive rights, so often it's just our perspective. And only that perspective is whatever the table, but can clearly hear about it from others and talk to other people. What about guys? And like, where do they fit in this conversation? And you as a woman who's had an abortion, because my original question was like, as women, like, should we talk about this more mm-hmm. with each other? Duh. But I also just, then I was like, well, wait, why is it just women? I think as people, yeah. we need to be talking yeah. about it more. I don't know, but yeah, go anything about so that. So I think that this is a really slippery slope because my end all statement would be, a woman should always have the right to choose what regardless of anything. I think, you know, that is my, my belief. That being said, as me, as Rachel in my life, I would never make that decision without having a conversation with the person that I got pregnant with. Um, And I absolutely would take their thoughts and feelings and wants into consideration. Um, And I think that all circumstances are different, but that if you have an opportunity to have that discussion in a safe way with somebody, whether they're a partner or not, if you feel safe, you know, and, and you can have that conversation, I think that men have their own right to have their own experience absolutely in in this process you know and i i am i really reject this like feminist perception where women just like flip the bird to dudes and they're like i'm gonna go have abortions whenever i want like whatever this crazy narrative is um that's just not what's happening and i also don't believe that that's what should be happening um I think that men have have a right to have a place at the table to have that conversation about the future of, you know, a child that may or may not come into this world. It's such a wild... But it's a slippery slope. It's a wild mm-hmm. thing to think about, right? Yeah. Because for those nine months, well, you know what? I can't really speak to it because I've never had 
I was going to say, I've never really had a kid. You don't kind of have a kid. You don't like, kind of. Yeah, no, I've definitely never had a kid and I've never been pregnant. Um, and so I don't know if there's these lasting effects of having a kid. I'm sure mm-hmm. there are. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, it's like those nine months where it is your body as the woman that has to go through that and make a lot of sacrifices and have everything change. It's also the guy, though, that did get pregnant in a way. Mm -hmm. Not that they got pregnant, but you know what I mean. Like, it doesn't take one. It's got to take two to, to make that happen. But... Yeah, I mean, God, there's it's, so many yeah, layers. There's, there's so many layers because another there. thing that we didn't touch on and don't have time to touch on, but also like what your beliefs are about like when life begins. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a you, whole other thing. Yeah, but I'm like, I mean, I know there's women that that find out they're pregnant and literally never tell their partner. Yeah, and we'll just go get an abortion and it's yeah. never a conversation. Yeah, well, that's that's why I bring it up because if you view if you don't view you know if you don't view it as a child then it really is cut and dry medical procedure you but know we are still pregnant correct I, it's it's a very it's yeah, a very it's, very very tough topic to, my, to yeah i mean uh, per, but again it's personal right yeah absolutely i i mean i i'm a little bit playing devil's advocate with you same personally i would always talk to my partner even if it was a one-night stand i would find that person and talk to them about it that is just how i would choose it's a woman's choice but it is ultimately i i deeply truly to the ends of the earth believe that it is a woman's right to choose period god every part of me wants to be like yeah done i'm sitting here like ah it's tough the only thing i know i can say is this i know what i would do me personally and i'm a communicator mm-hmm. and i can't hide things yeah. so that being said oh i, think we, I would ne- i don't think we yeah, can all yeah, yeah, yeah. i i can't him, put yeah. that on anyone and mm-hmm. i do think that it's that it is so not black and dry and have a conversation and that being said, if, if I could wrap up my whole feeling about this, I'm going to pass the puck to you to do that, is it's up to the individual. Right. Period. End of subject is my whole opinion on it. Um, and I'm just so sick of somehow law and politics and religion playing a role in that. And that's where we sit today as it stands in our world. And anyway, um, what would you like to say to wrap all this up? I know I already said what message, but is there anything else I didn't ask you or that we didn't talk about that you'd like to share as it relates to your story and journey with uh, abortion and getting pregnant? Yeah, I would just say that I, that experience was a vital role. Let me put it very plainly. Getting an abortion saved my life. I truly believe that. Mm. I... Wow. Truly believe, and I've said this before to other other people in my life, if I had not chosen that path, I feel like I could have died in that relationship. I feel like my life could have ended. And even if I if it didn't end in a physical sense, it would have been probably the end of any chance of a happy life. It would have been the end of all the paths that I had wanted to take in life. 
that I dreamt of as a kid, it would have, you know, and, and who knows what could have happened, but that's how I see it. I see that as, as that, that experience saved my life because I had it and laying on my mom's couch that day, I knew, I knew that a shadow of a doubt that I could not go back. And that's how I ended up in Texas a couple of weeks later and left and ran away, got away from that relationship. And I look at where my life is today, how beautiful my life is today and how happy I am and grateful I am in totally. all of the different areas. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I did not make that choice when I was 20, I would have not been where I am today. So, you know, I, yeah, that's, that's what I would leave you with is that that choice regardless of how you feel about abortion or the story that I've told, I know that that was the right choice for me and it saved my life and I have no regrets about it. We actually can't end on that. And by the way, and I got chills when you were saying, I think that's <laughs> so beautiful, really does happen as it's supposed to. And I love that you can look at it and see it that way. But I, ha I have to ask you this. Yeah. Because you mentioned it, and I was like, whoa, you had the picture of the ultrasound for 12 years. I got to talk to my therapist about that. <laughs> you literally just threw mm. it away. Yeah, I was standing at my friend's car the night before I drove out to Colorado. We were moving the last remaining boxes that I were, was going to take into my car. They were in her car. And I saw, I had, you know, as adults, we all have uh, that like one box that has like your birth certificate and your passport and all the things that you don't want to lose. And it's been the same box. I've had the same box since I left and they've been, they were in my, they were forever. They were in my driver's the little, um, was it just cause you couldn't get yourself to throw it away? I just couldn't, like, I couldn't get myself to throw it's it away. It's not like you looked at it or sentimental. It's just like, you no, couldn't I couldn't get yourself. To every it. once in a while when I needed to grab something from there, I would see them and I would have the, the thought of like, Oh, I should, like, this is weird. Like maybe I should get rid of it. And then I would just never think of it again. And I was sitting on my friend's uh, driveway because I, I had to like pick and choose. And I was like legitimately out of space. And there was this one box and I was like, well, I can just throw my like personal items into like my backpack and I was sitting there and I just was looking at them and I just felt like it was time wow wow you talk about it like you're free from it so mm -hmm. it's pretty beautiful yeah um wow that's pretty cool yeah. freeing wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> amazing um Thank you. Thank you for sharing yourself so generously. Um, that was, there are so many like juicy little <laughs> nuggets that we brought up and um, just thanks for being so vulnerable and being willing to share and talk about it. Thank you for having me. It's, I, it's been a pleasure. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the One World Your Story podcast. If you enjoyed hearing this story and you wish to hear more, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. And of course, follow us on Instagram at One World Your Story. From all of us here at the One World Your Story podcast, we are sending you so much joy and love. Have a wonderful rest of your day.